0: Hi, good evening. So it's um, 8pm on the 16th of May um, 2021, and this is a look back at the news from Zimmer and Peacock for this week. So every week we like to do a sort of retrospective look at the week and just sort of highlight um, some of the news that we've put out from Zimmer and Peacock. And we always um, have a really busy kind of week, so uh, I'll try and go through it in the next few minutes, or the next few... yeah. So... Just some of the news that we put out there this week. Uh, We have a generation two um, hydrogen peroxide sensor. So at Zimmer and Peacock, you know that we have lots of biosensors, glucose, lactate, um, oxygen, sodium, potassium, enzyme-based, ionophore-based. And we also do a lot of um, immunosensors as well, where we have antibodies binding to um, antigens. One of the famous sort of sensors that we also have is this COVID-19 sensor. Anyway, so we have a lot of sensors. The hydrogen peroxide sensor is one of the ones we've had for the longest. And we've described it here as a Generation 2 hydrogen peroxide sensor. Now, the reason we call it Generation 2 hydrogen peroxide sensor is because if you look at glucose sensors, there was a Generation 1 glucose sensor where the enzyme reacted directly with the oxygen. And gave you hydrogen peroxide. And so the oxygen there is, is really known as the sort of native um, cofactor. Now, with the generation two glucose sensor, people started changing away from oxygen and using redox mediators like ferrocene and ferricyanide. So when we describe our generation two hydrogen peroxide sensor, what we're meaning by that is it's not. Um, It's a hydroproxide sensor, it's enzyme based, but it's not using oxygen as the mediator, we're actually using a redox um, mediator. And this allows us to be able to detect hydroproxide at lower voltages, which means that we can be more specific because we have less background um, interference. So a little bit of news from Zimmer Peacock this week, we put some data out about our Generation 2 hydroproxide sensors I think I've, we very, very rarely talk about these hydrogen peroxide sensors, but we've been making them for quite a long time now. And because we put some more data out there, we got some more data this week, I thought we'd just put it up onto the blog. So as in repeat, we make glucose and lactate and oxygen and alcohol, uric acid. Oh, and by the way, we also do hydrogen peroxide. And hydrogen peroxide is actually really relevant at the moment because a lot of people are using they call fogging machines. So in hospitals, uh, in places where they want to make sure that there's no COVID-19 on the surfaces or in the atmosphere, they're using ho- fogging machines. These fogging machines are actually producing hydrogen peroxide in the vapor phase. And so there's actually an, in- an increasing interest in hydrogen peroxide sensors. So we make them for often medical applications, more specifically measuring hydrogen peroxide in um, fluids that are associated with the human's. But we are getting a lot of inquiries these days because people uh, are making these fogging machines, which produce hydroperoxide, peroxide. They sort of flood a, a room full of it and try and kill all the viruses. So um, that's why hydroperoxide peroxide sensors are becoming um, really popular at the moment. So I'm just going to move on slightly now and just talk about some other news from Zimmer and People this week. We did I did put a we did put a little bit of a note out there about biosensors and their applications there are review articles on biosensors but I think some of the more popular ones I see are kind of around from sort of two thousand and sixteen and you know today's 2021. so biosensors for us we play them into the food industry so if you're not aware um, then um, Zimmer peacock does a Suite of sensors for the food um, quality industry. The most famous one we do is a chili sensor for measuring the hotness of chilies. So, you know, when doing a review on biosensors, food industry is really important. Another one that's really important for us is um, biosensors are being used in agricultural. I think this is one of the most significant biosensors that we're working on. Is measuring the um, nitrate in um soil the reason i think this is significant is because nitrate is added to the soil for good reasons so that we get good plant growth but of course unfortunately it runs off the soil runs into the groundwater or runs into rivers and can cause um, essentially pollution because it over fertilizes the water courses you can have algae blooms and overgrowth um, of vegetation so we did a little review article, and we did touch upon um, biosensors for food, biosensors for agriculture, and then we also, of course, talked about biosensors for medical applications, which is what we do an awful lot of, including that hydroperoxide sensor that I just mentioned. And I think with the biosensors, you know, you have enzyme-based biosensors. Um, glucose oxidase is the kind of, you know, grandfather of all sort of biosensing. Let's say. In a glucose sensor, you have bioinfinity. That's sort of immunosensors where you have an antigen, sorry, an antibody binding with an antigen. DNA is also a form of sort of bioinfinity where you have a single strand of DNA and it attaches to another strand of DNA. We do a lot of ionophore, um, oh, ion selective electrodes at Zimmer and Peacock. One that we've not done so much of, but I'm actually super intrigued by, is actually microbial. Biosensors using a culture of microbes as the sensing um, element. We haven't done a lot of that, but I'm personally quite interested in that. So, i um, we did this kind of review and we just talked about the applications and then the types of biosensors, and we put some links around to kind of give people examples of biosensors. It's probably worth knowing that, I mean, one of the missions at Zimmer and Peacock is to. You know we want to be a successful business of course you know, every business does want to be but we also want to make sure that we're doing the right thing globally and that's why we kind of try and put out a lot of you know free information as well because we believe that one of the futures of mankind and humanity is going to be uh, biosensors and biosensors is going to play an important role um, in the future of us all so we're quite happy to put out you know kind of information and we put a lot of effort into it Now, um, some other news that Zimmer Peacock put out there this week was regarding AI. So I was pleased, you know, I'm delighted that many of you attend the ZP Developer Zone. um, Every Thursday at 8 a.m. London time, we do a whole video, or a whole webinar rather, about the uh, the Developer Zone. And this week we talked about Julie Julie is a cloud database system that we have it's free so in that cloud database people can go into the lab they can gather their data they can upload it to Julie and they can start doing analysis of their data they can actually share their data as well and ZP is constantly adding new features to Julie now what Julie at ZP allows us to do it allows us to complete part of our mission which is to take um, tests that otherwise in the lab in HPLC and move them um, to be low-cost um, point of care or point of need tests. So, in the in the webinar that we did this Thursday, we talked about um, how we're trying to reduce all these large clinical analyzers down to something that's um, quite small um, and hopefully low cost. And then we talked about one of the strategies we have at Zimmer and Peacock is. We want to develop assays, you know, as economically and as quick as quickly as possible. So, for example, if you're a food scientist and you have a way of testing um, a particular analyte, let's say it was to a porcine a- analyte, and you said, right, I want to make a sensor so that I can sort of ensure that this um, product doesn't have um, um, gelatine in it or something. That's something derived from... Um, you know, from pigs, for example, then you'll often have an, maybe an HPLC method or a reference method, something that's quite... Um, um, it's something that's um, something quite bulky in HPLC system, but that's a reference method. Now, what we like to do is we like to take that reference method and we like to take a sample and we like to run that sample on the reference method so you have a re- real value, something you really believe in. Now, what we're also trying to do at the same time, then at ZP, is we're trying to develop um, a biosensor as well. And you know, we we develop biosensors that you know fit into these little bits of hardware and have us a, have a, and I say uh, and have a sensor associated with them as well. So we're trying to develop a biosensor, but at the same time, it's really great if um, if the um, if a reference method exists as well. Because what we're able to do is we have a database called Julie it exists in the cloud, so we're able to actually send data to Julie, along with the reference value, and we actually can compare our um, our biosensor data versus the real, let's say, most accurate reference value, and um, we can tell the um, well, no, sorry, we can make our algorithm better. We know the real value, it's the reference value. We get a value from the sensor. If those two things are not as um, correlated as we'd like, then we can actually use Julie and the AI algorithms in Julie to actually improve the um, algorithm. And it's possible because we have the sensor, the reference method, and we're very good at app development, and we have the Julie database. I just got asked a really good question, actually, as we were live streaming by Ali. It says, can a biosensor tell us if between live organisms and dead organisms... It was a good question. Actually, I think the quick answer might be this. Just just brainstorming. I appreciate the question as well. Um, Ali has a PhD in this kind of subject as well, so we're on the same wavelength. Um, and the answer is, of course, you know, microbes often um, are taking up oxygen. So I think you can tell whether a microbe is alive or dead using a technique like, I believe, impedance spectroscopy. So I have seen people use impedance spectroscopy to interrogate um microorganisms and see if their cell walls are intact and when the cell walls are not intact i believe it really changes the impedance spectroscopy and i say that's one way of doing it i think the other way of doing it is actually looking at the oxygen consumption because essentially you know if i have an electrode and it's acting as an oxygen sensor and you can do that by, you know, applying minus 650 millivolts, for example, to an, to an oxygen sensor. When the microbes are there and they're living, essentially, they're probably consuming most of the oxygen. And so the electrode is in this kind of, you know, it's in an anaerobic state because all the oxygen is gone. But of course, as soon as the microbes are on their way out, the oxygen flux possibly will start increasing and um, you'll get a jump in oxygen peak. So the reason I suddenly change gears then is because we do do this news as a live stream and a question came through and that's a good one can electrochemistry to tell to live and dead microorganisms and i have definitely read there's quite a body of work on impedance spectroscopy for this and then as i was thinking about it as well i was also thinking you could probably do it to the oxygen signal i actually think it's good to do both i always like you know if you can look at um a problem in two ways maybe impedance and maybe chronoamperometry, looking at the oxygen, then you can say, if these two things are telling me the same answer, then we would use our data science to sort of say, two things tell me the same thing it's therefore correct. So we had our webinar and we talked about um, how AI is assisting us in biosensor development. And I think maybe I'll just finish at that, not finish, it, but on this point, AI is really important. So anyone who's doing biosensor development these days, um, if you're not learning Python, please start learning Python. There's some pretty cool stuff going on um, in the world of AI. And at ZP, we're definitely part of it. We put a little note out there this week as well about um, a sort of holistic approach to biosensors. Um, at ZP, we've got a you know a large team now and it is growing and we're looking forward to growing it even more. Um, and people will come to us and say, Can you make me a, and it's very specific, you know, I want a screen printed gold electrode, and that's all they want from us. And that's completely fine. You know, we understand, you know, that people don't want sometimes all of the things we can do. But, you know, a biosensor is not just about the screen printed electrode, or it's not just about the sputtered gold electrode. It's about the electrode. It's about the microfluidics. It's about the quality system, i.e., the sort of reproducibility. It's about the manufacturing. It's about the regulatory requirements. It's about the microfluidics, bring the sample to the sensor. So, we just put a bit of a page up there because we do, you know, people do come to us very specifically and they say, "I want just this off you." But these are all elements that come together, um, and it's actually. You know. Not you know, It's not a good idea just to kind of go to a vendor and say, I just want you to do this one small part of the problem because these parts are all interrelated. And so you sort of, with maybe a company like ZP, it's actually let us get involved in many of the things and because um, together, all these things come together and you actually end up with a really quite a good product. But at ZP, you know, we get involved in helping people with market research, proof of principle studies, Um, Contract development, ISO 13485 consulting. I'll say it again, ISO 13485. This is just really important for anyone who's doing biosensor development. We do the contract biosensor development. We do the clean room assembly. Um, We do clinical support. Um, You know, we literally do, not literally, we absolutely do go into hospitals and train the nurses or get the patient samples. And then there's really important part is, you know, microfluidics. know a big part of getting a reproducible signal is bringing a sample to a sensor in a reproducible fashion and you know many people really don't think about microfluidics too much but at zp we definitely um think about the microfluidics so we do have a a, um an holistic um, approach to biosensor development we can't don't just you can't just think about one part but you have to think about the whole problem um we had a really good discussion this week in the developer zone um, and one of the one of the subjects that we covered was actually temperature um, control. Sorry, not temperature control, but temperature effect on enzymes. And we ended up getting quite deep into the maths on it. Um, in chemistry, there's something called the Arrhenius equation. It's like many things in life; it's an approximation. But we did discuss that when you look at this temperature effect of a biosensor, it would indicate that the temperature effect was probably due to the enzyme kinetics. And we did, you know, a fairly sort of logical, you know, uh, explanation as to that. Doesn't make us right. It just means that, you know, the theory hasn't been disproved yet, but at the same time, you know, we haven't proved it either. But at Zimmer and Peacock, I mean, we are a, um, you know, we're a pragmatic company. We want to make the best biosensors we possibly can, but we also know the limitations of what we're doing. You know if you want to have really in-depth analysis of a problem and, and absolute certainty then you know my academic colleagues are definitely the places to go but Zimmer and P. Gork, we want to make a sensor we want to make it a reproducible way we want it to work you know but sometimes there's sort of you know the vagaries of whether my signal is diffusion controlled or enzyme limited um you know these are interesting and but they're not they're not our primary purpose but um, we do like, you know, when people ask the questions, we will dig in and, you know, and try getting deep on those things. Um, and just as an interest as well, I did get an inquiry this evening um, for people um, asking, you know, should we have an undergraduates part of the developer zone? Um, so the developer zone is this kind of you know free website. We do these webinars. Maybe we should actually start thinking about having content specifically for undergraduates as well, because. At ZP, we're a big believer in, you know, biosensors being really good for humanity. Um, And we need to encourage, you know, the next generation of developers. So if people think it's a good idea to have an undergraduate zone in our developer zone, let me know and we we can work upon it. Um, Now, rather interestingly, we we do get inquiries about gold sputtered electrodes. So I just want to say to people, you know, there's lots of forms of gold that you can use in biosensor development. Gold is often used in immunosensors where you use you have an antibody and you want to bind it to your surface and you might do it through a thiol molecule. But at ZP we've got at least four at least four types of gold. We got gold sputtered on glass, gold sputtered on polymer, PCB, which is printed circuit board gold we got screen-printed gold. When it comes to screen-printed gold, we got two variants there. We've got high-temperature gold, which is often 800 degrees Celsius, and low-temperature gold, which has been cured at 150 degrees Celsius. So that's about five versions of gold that we've got there. The reason I put that up is because we'll have somebody said, oh, I want this gold, very specific, very specific. But again, it's my point earlier on that you know when you're doing biosensor development, you have to... You know, people go to somebody like Zimmer, people say, I want this. It's very specific what I want. But actually, I think with somebody like ZP, tell us what you want to achieve. Because the goal that you may have chosen or think, you know, might not be as manufacturable. It might not be at the cost that you need. So sort of tell us a little bit about what you want to achieve. And then we can um, help you, advise you. Is that goal functionally good for you? And will it meet the the um, price points that you need? So I think, I know I said ISO 13485 quite a bit um, this week, but you know, we are an ISO 13485 company. We follow quality systems. Um, it, if you're used to working in a university situation, it, it can feel a little bit different, but I would say it, it's it's not stifling. I mean, at ZP, you know, we, we do lots of interesting work. I think we have a lot of fun. Um, But we are, you know, an ISO 13485 company. So when you, um, you know, we consult on this. I mean, it's interesting because when you look at the ISO 13485 products that we have, um, we have these document templates. And I don't know how many document templates we have on our website. But this is probably a fraction of all the kind of documentation that it requires to make a biosensor. You know, we've got documents here for technical reports, project development, process requirements, um, IQ, OQ, PQ, CAPA, NDAs, corrective actions. Yeah, corrective actions. I mentioned CAPAs already. Non-performances. There's a lot of documentation that goes into biosensitive development. And I think it's kind of, you know, I do try to encourage people to reach out to us at ZP because we do generally try to um, offer people placements. Um We sponsor postdocs through the KTN, the knowledge transfer network, sorry, the KTP, the knowledge transfer partnership in the UK. We have a PhD available still in um, Norway for doing biosensors for fish. Um, So I do encourage people, you know, follow us, get in contact with us. If you can do a um, placement with us, it can lead to um, full time employment. All that said, and one of the things you'll surprise when you get to us is actually, you know, Is the structure, is the amount, you know, is the documentation that we have to implement because many of these products are going to go to market and they might even be involved in human health. You know, one of the documents that we have in our in our quality system is a risk assessment. You know, what's the risk of a sensor giving an inaccurate answer? I mean, one of the biggest sensors, biosensors on the market, is obviously this glucose sensor, glucose sensors for diabetics. If you accidentally report somebody, for example, that their glucose is five millimolar, in fact, it's one millimolar, that can unfortunately lead to, you know, a coma and death. So it's really important, you know, when you're doing biosensor development and you're really thinking about going to market that you have to be working in a quality system. And one of the first things a quality system is going to ask you is have you done a risk assessment? You know, what's the risk of something going wrong? Um, And I just gave you an example, you know, severe example there. And that's why when I was talking earlier on about the applications of biosensors, I sometimes quite like food quality because, you know, the risk of miscalling the hotness of a chili is not as, you know, let's say risky as miscalling the glucose for a diabetic. Um, So, you know, some applications um, are more forgiving on error than other applications. So finally, um, I said that, you know, at Zimmer we have to have this kind of um, holistic view on biosensor development. And it's actually, you know, what stops most people getting biosensors to the market in the end is actually, you know, is essentially money. Um, You know, is there really a business plan behind this biosensor? Is there really a market, if you're going to develop this, is there really a market that's going to buy this? And so at ZP, we, de- we take this holistic view on biosensors. And based on experience, we've actually developed a market analysis group now. So we have a series of scientists and engineers. You know, the client, we talk to the client. We say, you know, um, what's the vision? What do you want to do? And then we try and establish that they generally have a business plan behind this. And if, it's, if the business plan is not as solid as it could be, then we actually go out there and have to research this business plan, look at the you know, how many diabetics are in the market or um, how many patients with renal issues are there or you know what's the um, reimbursement code for troponin I in the United States and how many troponin I uh, measurements are issued each year or is it for CRP? So a really important part of biosensor development, you know, science and engineering is great, but it's also the business side of it. Um, Who's gonna pay for it? What are the economics involved with it? What's the go to market strategy? And so at ZP, we have to put together um, sometimes these um, business plans for people and that's why we have this um, market analysis group. So if I look at the time now, it's 25 past um, eight um, in London time. Thank you, Ali, for your questions this week um, regarding um, the microbes, it's appreciated. Um, So, yeah, thanks very much. If there's no more uh, questions, then I'll um, sign off. Please, if you're not a member of the Developer Zone, every Thursday, 8 a.m., we do a live streaming for the Developer Zone members, and we'd be delighted to um, see you there. Okay, thanks very much, and um, have a good evening.